Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, coach, and mentor, John Opaluski. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm doing well. Uh, as always, I enjoy spending 10 or 15 minutes <laughs> chatting with you before we, we record. Always. I, it's unavoidable for some reason. Yeah. That's good. It's good to have good friends. Hey, I, you know, I, I want to get right to our topic today because I, I've had so many conversations in the last month or so about this issue. And what's funny is I don't think I had any conversations prior to a month ago about this issue. It seems to be something that we are recently catching on to as a, at least I'm catching on to as a local pastor, uh, a real issue. And so why don't you take it away and kind of introduce to us what we're going to be talking about today. Sure. Uh, This is episode 213, and it's titled The Leadership Shortage and What We Can Do About It. Yeah, Um, good. I have some statistics here, Jim, from Lifeway Research and from Barna Mm -hmm. about the graying of leadership. The the average uh, clergy member is 57 years old today compared to age 50 in 2000. Yeah. And uh, that that stat is from Lifeway Research. Here's one from Barna. Uh, half of American pastors are older than 55. In 1992, wow. less than a quarter of pastors in the United States wow. were that old. So let me just to digest that second statistic. That means that half of the pastors in America will probably retire in the next decade. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, that's terrifying. Thanks, John. It is Welcome. terrifying. I'm glad you joined us today and uh, there's anything else we can do for you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, it's something. And and David Kinneman, who is, I believe he is the CEO now of Barna. Yeah, Barna. He says this, it's urgent that denominations, networks, and independent churches determine how to best motivate, mobilize, resource, and deploy more younger pastors. Yeah. And yes, it uh, is. And, you know, there's there's so many impacts of this trend, uh, Jim. Uh, The talent pool is not as deep as needed. And it's creating a significant challenge for denominations all across the country. It's not one denomination that's having this issue. It's every denomination that's experiencing this. So, uh, Jim, a couple of thoughts from you on this. And then let's jump into some things that I think might be helpful. In relationship to this, this really, um, I guess, serious matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, we've been talking for a couple of years now on, on the desire to resign. You know, what percentage yes. of pastors, even though they're they're younger than this age, they're 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 looking for a finish line. Not looking at one, they're looking for one. It isn't time to finish, but they're they're trying to figure out how to stay in the game. And I wonder if that isn't dissuading a younger generation. You know, why would I want to grow up to be, I, I think today, why would anybody want to be a school teacher? Why would anybody want to be a police officer? Why would anybody want to be a politician? Why would anybody want to be a soldier? And the answer is because they're created and called to do those things. Otherwise, nobody would want to. They're the education level, the risk level, the pain level, the sacrifice level, uh, and, and the dishonoring many times of culture towards those professions including our own, I, I think would dissuade. Yeah, I, I wonder back in the day, there were kids that say, when I grew up, I want to be a pastor. 
I wonder what the dreams are now, but evidently somewhere along the line it stopped being a pastor. And the second thought that I have is I don't think that the other half of pastors are 54. I, you know what I mean? They're, 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 they're 24, they're 34, they're 44 and they're 54. I wonder, I, I wish I had more data that got back into that because if, you know, if a, another large chunk of them are in their late forties, early fifties, we're looking right. at a 75% shift of clergy in the next 15 years. Our fellowship yeah. has closed. It's one Bible college. Now all of our colleges have, you know, theological uh, degrees and pastoral degrees, missionology degrees, but, but the Bible college, I, I think, I think that there's a real shift. Um, and with that shift, it's going to need some real adaptation for the church. I don't think the church 20 years from now looks uh, like it does today. It can't without leaders. We have to morph or we have to produce a huge number of leaders that at the right. moment we don't know who they are or why they're not leading. Like those right. are, I, those are substantial problems. And I, and I think I'd like to focus on the second half of that. You know, I don't believe what we're going to talk about today is the reshaping of church. It's more on the subject of how do we yeah. address this leadership shortage issue? So I have four things in mind, Jim, which go from simple to more complex. Okay. So let's start with the simple stuff first. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we'll have a ton of discussion around the simple things, but as we get into the the more complex areas here, I think our discussion will expand. Here's the first one, and this is something that all of us can do, and that's to pray. Yeah. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his field. I mean, that still rings true. It still yeah. is true. God cares about this shortage more than we do, I believe. I don't think mm -hmm. he's frantic about it. I don't think he's anxious about it. Yeah. But, you know, so that's just simple. Let's get on our knees and ask the Lord to send uh, laborers into the yeah. harvest field. Yeah. So that's the first one. Um, here's the second one I think that is happening. And I just wanted to call attention to these. Uh, some There are some large events where young men and women feel that call, that tug yeah. toward ministry. Um, camps, I mean, are mm -hmm. historically noted for young men, young women receiving a call uh, to yeah. ministry. Uh, our, our tribe put on an event a couple of weekends yeah. ago called, uh, it was it's called the MNN, sounds like a MMA almost, <laughs> but we don't mean that. Uh, it was an event for a, around the whole idea of calling and and helping to nurture that yeah. in young people. And and I support and you support events like that yeah, fully. Sure, yeah, you know, we do these large events. But I think I wonder. I'd like your thought on this, Jim. I think if all we do is take an event centric approach. I'm not sure we're going to see the amount of gain that we need. I agree. I, I think I think the event is part of the solution because right. you know we're either called or we're not. But it's the event where you profess that calling. You know, where you you admit it, you submit to it, you acknowledge it. You it comes out of your mouth. It's not something you're ruminating in your heart. You know, everybody who feels called to vocational ministry, get up from your chair, 
and walk to this altar. That That's a very different thing than, you know, I'm thinking about being a teacher. Maybe I'll be a soldier. Maybe I'll be a mommy. Maybe I'll be a, you know what I mean? I'm, I am yeah. called to be a vocational minister in the kingdom of God. God has given me those gifts. And I, I'm, I'm admitting it. I'm uh, confessing it. I'm professing it. I think, I think that's huge. But beyond that, I mean, there, how many dreams come to fruition? How many, how many professions become physical? And, and, and so between that profession, there has to be people. I understand process, but I, I don't want a classroom. I want a father. Does that make sense? I want a mentor. Yes. I want a coach. I want, I, you know, I'd love to play baseball someday, but I need a team. I need a coach. I need someone to correct my swing. I need someone to tell me to throw the ball differently. I need, so if, if we are going to be excellent at this, we need a family of people preparing us. And we need a family of brothers and sisters being prepared. And, and now we have our colleges or our schools or our, our, our networks, our districts, right? That we, that, that big event is huge, but beyond that, we need so much more. That's right. And so I'd like that, that just sets me up for this third yeah. piece that I think will be helpful in addressing this issue, and that's better health. Yeah. Yes. Uh, some younger people, and maybe a lot of younger people, who are potential leaders observe the unhealth of older leaders. Yes. And they re- and I th- see them recoil yeah. from it. Yeah. You know the the and we know the markers, Jim of of unhealth of workaholism and the neglect of marriage and family that often comes along with workaholism Uh, the isolating nature of the lead pastor role is an especially pesky problem barna reported five or six years ago that lead pastors uh, 66 percent of them have no deep friendships and and so you know we know god's wired us all for friendship regardless of what we do for a living and uh, and so I think young, younger folks see that and think, you know what? I, I don't want to be isolated. I don't yeah. want to be lonely. Um, obviously, the high rates of anxiety and depression are troublesome for the younger crowd. Um, some of them have been on staffs and not yeah. and, and have did well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they've had a bad experience, and that's kind of poisoned the well, so to speak. Sure. And and I'm wondering, Jim, if those of us that are uh, in front of the younger generation, if, if we get healthier and the way we lead gets healthier, I'm wondering if that'll move the needle with younger yes. potential leaders. I, I It has to, right? I, I Again, why wouldn't... <clears throat> If I were to go, if I were 16 years old and I told a loving parent, I'm thinking about becoming a law enforcement officer. I, I don't think they necessarily ever would have been excited about that. They might've been proud, but I think more so today, they'd be cautious. Like, are you sure? You, you know what it's, you know it's going to cost your family? Do you know you're, you're always going to sit in the back of the room with one eye open when everybody else's eyes are closed because you're going to be trained not to trust humanity. Are, are you sure people are going to look at you differently the rest of your life? You're one mistake, one angry moment, one away from prison in a way that no other profession is. Are you sure you're, you're, you're almost, someone's going to conclude something false and negative about you because of that choice. Are you sure? And I think the same could be true again with all the other professions we talked about. I'm a school teacher. It's like, why? If you get a master's degree, go make three times the money, work half the hours 
and, and have the applause of your community? Why would you be a school teacher? So I, there's been a real shift as trust has been broken. Um, you know, respect has become suspect. The things yeah. we once respected, we now suspect our, our leaders, our you know, community. Um, so I, I, I just think, I think this is why we have a generation saying, can I just be an influencer from behind my camera in the, <laughs> in the utopia of the worlds that I create? I, I get that. I want to work at home. Why? So I have to deal with people. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to be a rock star. They have no idea what it takes to be a rock star, but you know, I, I want people to love me. I, I don't think people are moving towards ministry with that same delusion. And that's what it always was that you're going to yeah. be respected by everybody and loved and it's going to be worth it. It's like, it's a, it's obedience. It's a call. So I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know I'm talking in circles right now, but I, I those are my thoughts. My thoughts are circular on this because I don't, I don't have the answers. I guess I mean I, yeah. I think I understand some of the questions. I'm beginning to, yeah. but the answers, you know, well, we need to make clergy more respected again. It's like, uh, I, I think there's just too many of us, and the, the media loves the story where we fall. It, it doesn't, yeah. you know, how many Catholic priests yeah. love God, and how many Catholic priests did something stupid? Yeah. But what's everybody think of when they say Catholic priest? It's not fair. It's not fair. The 99, percent but. That's but right. there it is. We suspect the whole profession now, you know. And, and I'm really thinking more about this part of it, Jim. The the relationships that younger potential leaders have with older leaders. Yeah. So, so I'm 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 not even talking about the leaders they see from a distance. I'm talking gotcha. about the leaders they see up close and personal. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, because I don't know what we can do about the leaders at a distance, you know, and, and what happens in the media. I, I think we have like next to no control over that. I yeah. think we have a lot of control though, over the kind of example we set for the people on our teams. Yeah, we do. And, and setting an example of uh, upper priority in terms of yeah. my walk with God, my marriage, yeah. my relationship with my kids and grandkids, yeah. how I treat my staff, um, uh, having good, good mental and emotional hygiene. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I think giving them somebody to look up to in some ways. Yeah. Is when I grow up, of, I want to be like, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think about, I think about, uh, one of my favorite teachers in college, he was a brilliant theologian but he loved Jesus so much yeah. and uh, was a man of wonderful power too. He had, he, he, mm. he was just an, he had, he had it. Yeah. And I remember as a 19 year old thinking, I want to be like that guy when I, right yeah, I right want to be, I want to be smart. I want to be intelligent, but I want to love Jesus with my whole heart. And I want there to be demonstration that yeah. he's real in my life. And, and yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm talking about, that that kind right. of that there's health, that we have somebody that we can look toward and say, yeah, when I grow up, I want to be like that. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think that I think mm -hmm. that the health issue is something that I've heard uh, some of our friends talking about, but not too many of them. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. kind of one of those that are just not I don't know if it's thought about very much, but we want to put it out there because yeah. we want our watchers and listeners to start thinking about this third one. Right. So yeah. let me give you was one it? more. 
I think it was Josh Spurlock, one of our guests said, what's it like to sit across the table from you? Remember that? Remember that conversation? Was that, was I that think Josh? So, yeah, I do. Yeah. I think as a leader, Josh, yeah. as a leader, as a friend, as a father, as a spouse, what's it like to sit across the table from you and being emotionally intelligent enough to realize that that the answer to that question has a profound impact. I, I don't think I'd ever considered it before it was brought up on the podcast. What's it like to be, Am I angry? Are, are everybody on pins and needles and eggshells? Is it a delight when I say, hey, you got a minute to stop at my office? Do they think they're getting fired? Do they think I'm inviting them out to play golf? You know, those are yeah. those are that relationship that that healthy and loving and outgoing is is huge. Yeah, it really is. And and as I as you're talking, I'm just there are pictures of people mm-hmm. coming into my mind, Jim, mm-hmm. uh, my first pastor, amazing yeah. teacher. Love the Lord, power, a uh, powerful man, but not overbearing man. You know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah, yeah. I looked up to. Um, one of the first people that, when I was a young guy, young in the Lord, who who was a, an associate pastor at a different church, not the church I was attending, but he invited me into his life. Actually, Laura and I into his yeah. and his wife's life, and I admired this guy so much. Yeah. And and it and I think the Lord had has put several people in my path along the way yeah. that, that really gave me mm-hmm. um, the push. And I don't yeah. think they were pushing me, but just being around these people and watching their yeah. life inspired me. Right. Uh, and, and so I, I want right. us older guys to get healthier. Yeah. Good. And to be good. inspired. And I think yeah. that will help. It's not the I whole agree. solution. I just think it's part of the solution. Yeah. Well, it, it proves it's possible. You know, it, yeah. it's a counter narrative to the everybody in the ministry is lying about something, cheating on someone, you know, bigoted, you know, those sorts of things, right? That I, right. I don't want to be a controversial, I don't want to be a villain. I want to be a hero, you know, and, and to see some of those fathers and mothers in the faith succeed and love each other you know, till death do they part. Man, what a wonderful example. Again, when I grow up, I want to be, I'm 58 years old. I still say that about people. When I grow up, mm-hmm. you know, my next stage of life, I want to, I want to emulate many of the things that you are. That's a, right. one of our greeters, Bud Code. I tell him that about once a month, man, when I grow up, he's like, I got news for you, buddy. You're not that much younger than I am. It's like, I know, but you're retired. You know, you're <laughs> when I grow up, <laughs> what's yeah. your, what's your fourth one, John? So, so the fourth one I think is somewhat aligned to the third, but it, it's 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 separate, and that's discipleship. Mm-hmm. Jim, I was having a conversation with a denominational leader a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and um, client of ours, and he said this to me. He said, "Many calls to ministry happen during the process of being discipled." Yeah, good. And, and that really landed with me. Yeah. I re- I remember my call to ministry came toward the end of an 18-month discipling relationship that began immediately after I gave my life to Jesus. I had a, a, a wonderful man named Rick yeah. in my yeah. life. And and Rick not only poured into me, Rick gave me opportunity mm-hmm. to yeah. he saw some things in me and he gave me chances to <laughs> to uh, use that fledgling little seed of a gift. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He probably gave me opportunities he shouldn't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a, in a way. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was discipling, not just pouring in, 
but it was also the opportunity to to utilize the gift, so to speak, yeah. that God had had given me. And 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 I couldn't get away from that conversation. I, I kept thinking yeah. about it. And and my friend uh, also shared. He says, "John, read Luke chapter six, verses twelve through eighteen." And and so. I want to read that here, if that's okay, real quick. Yeah, please. Yeah. It says this. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. So the mm-hmm. implication is, is that there was a larger group. Right. Yeah. That Jesus had been discipling. Yeah. And out of that group came these 12 guys. Wow. Wow. And I thought, how did I miss that? I've, I just missed that, that, yeah. that out of this discipling process, Jesus calls these leaders. Yeah. And, you know, he, I, I think, I think it was Carl Vader's that said to us one time, Jim, that discipleship answers so many of our problems. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, discipleship is part of the answer to yeah. our leadership shortage problem. What do you think? Yes. yes. I have been arguing at every available level uh, for a shift in mindset from those who would grant credentials and so forth, you know, and give opportunities from being a gatekeeper that's trying to protect like denominational purity, heritage, et cetera, to become fathers and mothers for, for the same reason that, for 18 months, somebody, somebody gave you opportunities that you weren't worthy of. And maybe in a, in a different setting would not have been given until you'd finished right. your four-year degree or your six-year degree, or you did it for a classroom of other students and you got a grade on it versus exercising right away. And I, I, I feel like sometimes uh, the church in China has tremendous disadvantages that they've turned into advantages. It's highly relational because everybody goes to prison if you don't trust the people in your network. Everybody's taking a risk to be a believer. Um, you know, if you have one page of the Bible and you can teach it, you're a teacher. You're, you know, there's no, there's no certi- certifications. There's no, I mean, there are, but very, very few. And so when the iron curtain drops and we go in to say, is, is there anybody left that loves Jesus? It's one out of 10 people in China are now believers. It was shocking to the missiologists who studied that because they said, we, we thought when all the Westerners got kicked out and the communists came in, it would be illegal and nothing would happen. And as it turns out, you know, why do, why do they multiply so quickly? Why, why do the churches in South Korea multiply so quickly? Mm-hmm. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's an entrusting that takes place much sooner than we do. They, they, they learn right. to walk the day after they're born. You know, humans, it takes a year to learn how to walk. Deer, if they don't, they're walking in, in six hours, they're lunch, uh, you know, in, in seven. So I, I, I think in some situations, you know, you've, we, I, I, I think sometimes I call them naked cat eating guy, the demoniac of the gatherings. You know, he, he has this amazing experience with Jesus, puts on clothes for the first time in a while, you know, has a meal, he's in his right mind, all the voices are gone. And all the guys get in the boat to take off. He's one, he wants to go with them. And Jesus says, no, you have to stay. He sent him out alone. And he said, go tell everybody in the Decapolis what I've done for you. Well, that, yeah. the Decapolis is the same group of people that told him, you know, to leave. You're freaking us out. All the demons went in the right. pigs and just please leave. Well, if you read, it's a chapter or so later, but it's, it's maybe a week to three weeks later. Jesus comes back to the same area and they meet him at the beach and say, we're so glad you're here. And they bring all these demoniacs and sick people. Why? The only person that was there that we have in the biblical record that would have continued 
the Jesus conversation is naked cat eating guy who yeah. probably couldn't read, probably couldn't write, didn't have a friend, family had disowned him. And all he had was a testimony. I, I woke up yesterday with voices in my head that have been screaming from my earliest memories. Jesus came, those voices are gone. I'm now in my right mind. I'm sorry, I ate your cat. And goes to the next door and knocks on it. I, all I know, Jesus. I, I was blind yesterday. I can see today. That's all I know. Next door. So that I, I think sometimes we, today, that poor guy would have been put through weeks, months, years of process before he was allowed to tell that story. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's something we have to remember is that apprenticeship is biblical. Discipleship is biblical. Father, son, mother, daughter, biblical. I'm not saying other things aren't worthy, but we train scholars to, and maybe we need more pastors and evangelists and, and we need the scholars and the teacher gift, but not everybody should be a scholar. Some of us should be simple practitioners, you know, of, of this, 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 the man who discipled you. I, did he have a six-year degree in theology or was he just a good man know. that loved Jesus? Oh, oh you mean the, the no. No, he yeah. was a guy who, you're going to love this. He was a guy that was one year old in the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. He was, I he was, that. and I didn't know that until about three or four years ago. I found him. I, yeah. Cause I wanted to thank him for what he did. Yeah, but. And uh, he was so humble. Uh, when I talked to him three, uh, three or four years ago, he said, John, I, it was just God doing that through me. Right. And, by the way, just so you know, I was only a year old in the Lord. When I was <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. I thought this guy was, yeah. you know, this sage or whatever. Yeah. You know? So I, um, I know that our audience may think, well, what you know, what can I do? I'm not part. I'm not a denominational executive. I'm not. You know, can I? Can I say let's let's not rely on our denominational executive. We love our denominational Absolutely. Executive. They're wonderful. Let's not yeah. rely on them. I think this is a this is a church by church by church issue. Yes. And that and that all of us need to jump on board and pray, support these yeah. large events, get and stay healthy as leaders, learn how to uh learn how to lead in a way that is honoring uh to god and to and to the people on your team yeah and and make disciples and yeah. again yeah. making disciples is not just information it's transformation and it's yes. opportunity opportunity yeah. and opportunity to to get in the the fray and and start because jim i remember when and I know we gotta we gotta be done here, but I remember talking about three or four kids in our youth group. I'm 17 years old. I've been a Christian yeah. for a little over a year, and yeah. you know we're talking about uh, problems they're dealing with, and uh, you know at school, at home, and I'm praying for them. And uh, all of a sudden, it dawns on me: Hey, maybe God's calling me to help people. Huh? Yeah. And it was in it was in that context. So we want to encourage you and challenge you that well, we want to encourage you. First of all, we think that this problem can be solved. I believe it can be. Yes. Because yes. God's big enough to solve this problem. But we want to also challenge you to not kick the can down the road to some other entity, some other organization, a school, a denominational office, yeah. and say it's their problem. No, it's all of our problems. Yeah, all of right, us. It's right. our problem, 
And we have responsibilities. So I know you have a lot on your plate as a leader. You have a lot going on. But I and I don't want to crush you with this. I just want you to give some thought to what can I do, Lord, to be a part of the answer here instead of you know, looking at it and thinking, why can't I get anybody on my team? Why can't I hire a worship pastor? Why can't I hire? Why can't we find lead pastors? Let's link arms, take this seriously, and let's do something about it. Yeah. Do our part, right? Play our role. It's it's everybody's responsibility to make disciples. It's not just a network or district leadership, everybody. And what is a disciple? It's not someone that knows what you know. It's someone that can do what they were created to do. You know, that's right. and whatever that is, that's, that is the joy of ministry, right? That's the paycheck where people get to live the life they were created to live. Every pastor goes, man, that was worth it. I can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Right on. Well, thanks, John. These are, these are great thoughts and uh, so grateful. And I, I guess I could also add this. And if anybody listening says, I think I know how to do that. I think I know, actually, we're doing it very well at our church right now. We produced, you know, 18 different whatever. It's like, let us know what you're doing because we're yes. in a position to to people a lot of people asking these questions not a lot of people with good answers so if you have good answers or you have better questions or or something we're not seeing please email us let us know what you see what your solutions how you're fixing this at your local level and we will we will gladly pass that up and down the food chain to people that need that information because i like you're saying god's going to solve this problem he's going to get people the answer and the first person that gets it share with everybody you got a cure for this you know, right. whatever pill it is, it's probably the gospel pill. But if it's whatever pill it is, man, we're all suffering from this disease. So help us. Yeah. And I would say this, if if you're listening and watching and you've got something that's really working for you and you share that with us, we'll ask yeah. your permission. But we'd love to broadcast that out to this yeah. audience. Yes, and, we would. And let's help each other out. Let's uh, yeah. let's learn from one another. So, Jim, thanks for uh, joining yeah. me for this conversation today. My uh, pleasure. I, I, I always talk enjoy talking with you about this kind of stuff. Well, and and thank you to those who've watched and listened because it's for you that we do these things. Um, We're in this together with you. Um, You know, we are, we are both very involved in the local church and uh, we love the leaders. We love the servants of the local church in a way that maybe you can imagine, maybe you can't, but we do. And and so we'll, if we can help you in any way, please let us know. Convergecoach.com. We'd love to spend a half hour with you, just, uh, you know, John or myself or one of the team, just how can we help you? How can we serve you? It's like, well, you say that, but I, you know, I would feel bad. Like we wouldn't offer it if we didn't want to offer it. <laughs> we don't have to offer these. We we love those half hours. One of my half hours yesterday went an hour and 15 minutes uh, for, for that reason, because it was just too good to let go. We were just enjoying the conversation. So please let us know how we can serve you. And you just keep pushing. You just keep pulling. You just keep preaching and loving and raising up disciples and turning them loose, because that's what leaders do in the body of Christ. And we believe in you. We're praying for you as you continue to lead from alignment.